I really feel this word burning in me. Um, it, it's not a coincidence that we we call forth the burning ones. This is something that's stirring in me. First service, uh, we had something similar happen, and uh, and it was just a moment to to really posture our hearts. I, I believe that God right now is wanting us to recognize this courageous army that's rising up. And what that means is, is in order for us to bring the culture of heaven and the earth, he needs his people to rise up. See, he wants nations to rise up. He wants cities to rise up. He wants communities to rise up. And the only way that happens is if you rise up. I mean, he's looking for you. Well, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Every single one of you your destiny and what you were created to do. And what the enemy tries to do is he tries to keep you sitting down and stuck in the past and stuck in discouragement, stuck in shame, stuck in the lies of condemnation, stuck in the passive prayers that maybe you've prayed in the past, thinking that maybe I will never have that fire that I used to have. How how many have ever said that? Come on, be honest. Have you ever said, God, I want that fire I used to have? Well, you're praying the wrong prayer. What you need to pray is, I want the fire that you're pouring out. It's a fresh fire. And I'm telling you, something happened to me this week. I'm praying, and the Lord, He he just began to stir in me something about this word and this message. And I had some things planned. We've been talking about Nehemiah. And in the context of community, Nehemiah could not rebuild the walls on his own. And I'm going to talk about the courage of, you find in community. Now you say, well, Pastor Zach, I know what that's like because I belong to this church. Because how many believe that we as a church experience genuine community? I'm glad three of you do. I know there's more of you. You're just timid right now. You're just drunk in the spirit, I guess. I am too. So if I fall over, Rochelle, come take the... And if she falls over, Pastor Chris, I don't know what... I don't know what's going to happen, but... We experience genuine community. What does that mean? When the presence of the Lord comes, I'm going to share with you just some things that happen. When we worship, when we gather, when we are His bride and we come together, there is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. How many know the manifest presence of God? Ephesians chapter 2 tells us the purpose of the church. Paul is preaching or teaching the church and he's saying, and he begins to tell them in chapter 4 that, that God, Jesus, ascended in heaven far above principality and power. That's, that's another really good insight for us that when we understand that we're in Him, our perspective changes. But there's this, this understanding that not only is Jesus giving gifts to the church to equip apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but the purpose of the church ultimately is to be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. That is why we are called Zion in the New Testament. Zion was where the presence of God rested. Remember the old song, let's all go up to Zion. Come on, all go. Nobody knows that song? The city of our God. There's oil and wine in Zion. Now listen, I wasn't raised in the church, but when I got saved, they sang that song at church. <laughs> they will know we are Christians by our cheesy songs. They won't. Oh, I'm sorry. Zion is the place where God rests on. Zion is the place where, where you know, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and there was a cloud of glory. See, we have to understand what happens in the manifest presence is there's revelation, there's uh, the light of his word and his presence. And when the fire and the cloud come together, there is what happens when light shines on, on water that is, that is in the sky. There's a rainbow. The, see, the Bible talks about 
a manifold wisdom of God in Ephesians chapter 3, that the church would display the manifold wisdom of God. It's the, it's the many colored facet of his being, his love. It's all love. It's all his fruit. It's all the gifts. It's everything. It's who he is. It's the kingdom coming into the earth through your life. But it happens when you rise up. And I want to read to you a psalm in, uh, in Psalm 20. And I'm going I'm to just declare to you prophetically that God is calling you to Zion. God is calling you to understand that there is, there is strength in community. And I'm not just talking about the community that, that when you look around, how many are thankful for brothers and sisters in your life? Come on. I was looking over during worship. I looked at John Sprick and his wife, Chris, and I said, I am so thankful for them. I'm, and I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I'm sitting here in worship. I look at Chris, and he's just bringing it, right? And so I'm like, I am so thankful for him. I mean, I, I'm just so thankful. I look over at my wife. I'm like, you are so amazing. I love you. I'm so thankful for community. How many ever feel alone? And then you realize you're not alone. What a blessing. And you realize that God's setting things up, that he's gone before us. And, and this is what I'm going to share with you today, but I'm not just talking about the community of saints. I, and I want to I share this with you. And I believe it will be revelatory. It will stir you. It will, it will uh, bring you to repentance so that you can see that there is a divine setup for your destiny individually that is a setup for the church corporately, but it's a setup that you must recognize that God is sending things on your behalf and he has put a community around you. And we're going to talk about what that is. Are you ready? Psalm chapter 20, verse one, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Hallelujah. May the name of God, the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. Say help from the sanctuary. And strengthen you out of Zion. You can say the second part too. And strengthen you out of Zion. And then down below, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but will remember the name of the Lord God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer when we call. I want to read the first two verses to you again. The first or the second verse, may he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Something happens when we go to Zion. When there is, when we learn to live in the manifest presence of God, that something happens when the glory of God, the cloud of glory and the light of his word come together. There is a manifold display of who God is. Now, I want to express to you what this looks like. How do I receive courage? See, there, there's a whole nother facet to the spirit realm, I think, that we miss as, we, you know, let's talk about courage. And let's look in the Bible where David encouraged himself in the Lord. And we have so many stories. Nehemiah, it took Nehemiah courage. But I'm going to talk about another level of encouragement that sometimes we neglect, another community that sometimes we miss and we've actually neglected. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read that Zion is the church. Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, most of you are familiar with Hebrews. It's, the, it's the, the author's writing to Hebrews, and it's about victorious living. Would you say victorious living with me? Living. I'm going to preach to you this morning. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he tells them, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That is community. It is so important that we recognize a spirit of inter interdependence. 
Well, I'm independent. Well, then you will probably not fulfill the destiny that God has for you. We need each other. God created, it says that, that he looked at Adam and said, no, that's not good. He's alone. He needs somebody. And they said, let us, the Trinity, hello, God himself is interdependent on his own responsibilities in the act of redemption. That's a good word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We need to learn interdependence. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Exhort one another. He says, encourage, give each other courage. You have the ability to give courage. Your words, see if you, especially if you believe what you say. See, it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to have something to say. Right now, I actually have something to say. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I just say stuff, but right now I have something to say. But there is something about words that, you, that are truth to you. Like if I'm preaching on purity and I'm not pure, there's not much substance to what I'm saying. If I'm preaching to you about fire and I don't have fire, then there's not substance to what I'm saying. See, the word that you speak when you're in line with God, when your heart is one with Him, when you join to the Lord, the Bible says you're one spirit with Him. When you're one spirit with Him, the words you speak are of God and they are spirit and life, like Jesus said in John chapter 6. So when I understand that I, I can encourage you, we have that realm of community. It's so important. I can literally give you courage. It doesn't just mean to like, you know, oh, be encouraged. I mean, I, you know, thanks. I'm not, that doesn't encourage me, you know. But literally, I'm going to give you courage. I have a word fitly spoken. I'm going to hear what heaven is saying about you. I'm going to get God's heart for you. Remember last week we talked about when, when we get God's heart for a ministry, the anointing flows for that ministry. If I, if I start loving people like a shepherd, I, I'm going to begin to shepherd people. And the good shepherd's anointing within me is going to just start flowing like a river. But when I have a word from God fitly spoken, what does it do? It, it brings strength to the weary, right? How many know that scripture in Isaiah? When, when I speak words of exhortation, they, they actually impart grace. Ephesians 4.29. When I speak to my wife, you're probably uncomfortable. What are you doing, honey? I'm close to me. I'm loving on you. And I just spilt your water. When I speak exhortation to my wife, it brings grace to her. It brings strength and resource. You have to understand that words contain power. I mean, there's so much power, and especially when we believe it, especially when there's substance of love and peace and power in our words, hope becomes faith because the reality of what God says becomes a part of us and we release it. You ever notice certain people have breakthroughs in certain areas because they believe it? You can have breakthroughs in all kinds of areas if you just believe it. Certain worship leaders, they sing, heaven comes because their heart is his. And they're an open door to the spirit realm. I want, I want to just lay a little bit of this foundation. Then he goes on, Hebrews chapter 11. Who loves Hebrews chapter 11? All right, four people, praise the Lord. Let me try it again. Who loves Hebrews chapter 11? Someone's like, I don't even know what that is, pastor. Well, you need to go to church more, praise God. Hebrews 11 is a faith chapter. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes hope becomes faith, and it becomes substance and evidence and reality. Then he goes on, and he begins to, you know, the first service, the same exact response. I thought that was a great line. And the first, just. Hebrews chapter 11, all the heroes of faith. 
I'm telling you, read Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what, what the, was promised to them and what was accomplished. And, the, and, you know, Jesus, I love what Jesus said. He said, you know, the prophets long to see this day that you're in right now. Like if you understand the day that you're living in, you wouldn't be complacent. If you understand what God is doing in Henderson, if you understand how God sees Sin City, I'm telling you, God is raising up an army right here, an international hub that the devil calls Sin City. And God said, no, it's Abundant Grace City. It's Revival City. I know I've said it before. And the world says what happens in Vegas is going to stay in Vegas. So I can go at my bachelor party and do all kinds of sin. No, God sees it all. But what happens in Vegas will shake the nations for the glory of God. I'm telling you something. People will come here to get their sin on and they're going to find some grace on. If you understand what God is doing, what God is saying, we will rise up. Hebrews chapter 11, he goes on. If you understand the the day you're living in, he, he begins to tell them these are the heroes of faith and renew your spiritual vitality. Verse 12, I'm just going to recap a little bit of uh, of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And, and in the beginning, we're going to read the verse in just a moment, but he talks about renewing your spiritual vitality to be encouraged, to, to strengthen the hands that hang down, verse 12, and the feeble knees to make straight the paths of your feet. He's saying you need to wake up. You need to understand what, what's happening right now. Don't despise the discipline of the Lord. You know, when you're, when you're going through a time of testing, it actually reveals what's inside of you. And then we start blaming God for stuff. And he's like, God's like, I'm just trying to make you stronger. Hello, perseverance produces character. Doesn't the Bible say that in in Peter? Now, I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Because if we just read that verse and not understand the context of the letter, we miss it. And then I'm going to go to to speaking to you about what this community is. What, What are you talking about, Pastor, this community? There's more to this thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore... It's there for a reason. So read chapter 11. We just talked about that. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. Say endurance. Strength. Courage. Let us run with courage. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. That literally in the Greek means purposely look away at every distraction and fix your eyes on the Son of God. It literally means, it's not just looking under Jesus, it's like you purposely look away from every distraction. Why is that funny? I'm just kidding. (laughs) The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of God. Now, this is so important that we get this. Remember, we talked about a change of perspective is the birthplace of initiative. God wants to birth initiative in you. You have to have a change of perspective. Your spiritual eyes need to be open to the cloud of witnesses. I'm not just talking about you and I in this room and Christians. I'm not just talking about the fact that the church right now is the largest entity on the planet over 2 billion that claim to be followers of Christ, bigger than the largest religion, if you want to call it religion, on the planet, and it's growing rapidly. In China, there are tens of thousands being saved every single day. Come on. And we we take for granted, and we think that, oh, you know, God's not moving. He's moving. He's just looking for you to move him a little bit. 
I love what William Booth said. He said, I'm not praying for a move of God. I am a move of God. Well, that sounds arrogant. No, Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, I've given you all authority and power. Go make disciples. Well, you know, when I pray for healing, I just hope it's God's will. It was his will when he gave his will and passed down to the disciples. Hello? When somebody moves on, they give you their will. You, it was his will 2,000 years ago. Every stripe on his back was for the, the, the cleansing, obviously the cleansing of our sin when he shed his blood. But every stripe on his back was for the healing of our spirit, soul, and body. Jesus passed it down. He said, go, go therefore. Now, when we understand this community, verse 1 says there's a great cloud of witnesses. What is this? All the prophets, all the heroes of faith, all those that have gone before us, they are literally cheering us on right now. Heaven is looking down over the Encounter Community Church. Oh, I'm telling you, heaven is looking down over Las Vegas. That's the city God has plans for. There is a community. Zion is not just the church. It's, it's also a spiritual picture of heaven. It's the city of God on earth as it is in heaven. If we want heaven to invade earth, we've got to understand the encouragement that comes from community, the community of the cloud of witnesses. But that's not all. I want to share with you another, another place of this community that sometimes we neglect and we need to receive encouragement from. Later on in Hebrews chapter 12, are you still with me? I'm going to read a few verses and then we're going to take it home. You ready? Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about a glorious company. We don't come to Mount Sinai anymore. It's it's different. But it says here in verse 22 of Hebrews 12, but you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Listen, listen. To an innumerable company of angels, the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of the things of Abel. Say Mount Zion. It's the city of God. But what is this other community? Listen to what he says. The innumerable company of angels. There is this thing in Scripture that sometimes we miss. Even Jesus himself was encouraged and strengthened by angels. Say, well, I don't really, you know, that's like, you know, old covenant, or that's just for the apostles and I don't really believe in that stuff now, then you're neglecting the very authority that heaven has sent on our behalf. When when Moses was told by God in Exodus 23, an angel will go before you, he actually said, and you better not tick him off, I'm paraphrasing, because he has my authority in him. I wonder how many angels we've grieved and grieved God because we've neglected the fact that this is a whole nother community in the spirit realm that bring courage, grace, and words from God to us to help us fulfill what he's created us to do. There is a whole nother community. Now, you you see it in scripture. I I, I see it all. I'm telling you, it's a divine setup. I, I look at different areas of our walk with God. And when we planted the church, it was a divine setup. I'm telling you, us gathering here was a divine setup. Many pastors said, you won't be able to get a use permit for church on Water Street. Guess what? The angels went before us. When we went down to the city council meeting, it was like, bam, 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 done. Just like that. Why? Because angels went before us. I don't know how many times I could just count where we, you know, I'm going to tell a quick story. When we were witnessing on the strip one time, we were at a casino uh, and we're, we're just releasing the love of God. And this is years ago. I'm with a couple friends and I'm singing some worship song in the bathroom 
And this guy walks up and he says, I prayed 10 minutes ago that God would send someone to me because I'm looking for a church. And I said, well, I I know a church. And I begin to tell him about our church and we share. We start praying, right? And Zion manifested right there. Angels were in the room. We're in the casino four feet from the bar holding hands. All of our knees are buckling under the weight of God's glory. Angels go before you. It's a divine setup. Some of you remember the time that you used to, hopefully you used to, go to the clubs or go dancing. You know, my wife and I used to love go dancing. I remember those times. It was all a setup, and you'd walk in, and you knew the manager, so you'd slip him a C note back when we were rolling, or a 20, and you walk in, and you just, it's like, it's a setup. If the devil can set you up to sin, how much more can God set you up to fulfill your destiny? And you cannot neglect the community of angels. Not only do you have the church, the, the Zion that I'm speaking, not only do you have the great cloud of witnesses, but you have an innumerable company of angels that go before you that have words of encouragement. Well, well I, you know, I, I don't believe an angel can encourage me. They encourage Jesus. Are you better than him? After the time of testing, an angel came and ministered him. It says in Matthew chapter four, look at Peter when Peter's imprisoned. I love the story because it resounds of prophetic words. Sometimes we need an angel to remind us of a word that has been spoken over us. The seraphim, the fiery angels to come and ignite a flame that maybe had flickered low. There's this, this, this story where Peter in the book of Acts is imprisoned and he's going to have his head cut off the next day. That's a big deal. Right? Would you say that's a pretty big deal? Yeah. And and our flat tires, those are big deals too. But I mean, he's about ready to have his head chopped off. That's a real reason to pray. And the church is praying. And there's a lady named Rhoda that's probably leading the prayer meeting that was so doubtful when he walked at the door, she thought it was his ghost. But they're praying for him. The church is praying. Peter's in prison. What happens? An angel shows up and he gives him a word. And it's actually a reminder of a prophetic word Jesus spoke to him in the end of the gospel of John. Where Jesus said, when you are old, another will dress you and carry you. And then John writes, this is speaking of the way he would die. Now, it's interesting. The angel walks in and he says, dress yourself, get up, let's go. In other words, I ain't carrying you. It ain't your time. You're still young. You're a young buck. You still have destiny. I'm here sent by God. His authority is in me. And I'm reminding you of destiny and promise to break forth and give you strength and courage. He said, we just got this thing started, Peter. I know that you preached on the day of Pentecost. You're the one that denied the Lord. Thank God for restoration. Come on. And the angel shows up and he gives him encouragement by reminding him of the word of the Lord. You remember Mary heard the word from Gabriel. She says, let it be to me according to your word. When you agree with God, unlimited amounts of courage is released in your life. Oh, man, courage in me. I'm back. Courage in me. Something happened to me this week. I'm telling you. Some of you are like, why are you so weird right now, pastor? I was praying this week and I felt the fire of God just begin to stir in me. And when I pray, I get really loud. I mean, I just pray. When I'm alone, I just go after it. I pray and, and uh, you know, I'm praying and, and I felt like the Lord said, you're back. This is that, it, like, almost like this season, the wilderness is over. You're back. That season of testing and strength, you're back. It's time to rise up. There's a, a message I got to preach a long time ago, about two years ago in this church. And the Lord was speaking to me about 
the seraphim, the fire angels that we read about in Isaiah chapter 6. And, and they're literally angels that in, in the story of Isaiah, it says that they took coals from the golden altar, from the altar. Most likely it was the golden altar that was right outside the Holy of Holies. And, and that's where the incense burnt before God that represented worship and prayer, just a sweet fragrance to him. And they, they took the coal and they touched his lips because he said, my lips are, are unclean. And it purged his iniquity. And, and the Lord began to speak to me about seraphim. And I was preaching a couple of years ago. Some of you were here about William Seymour and the hunger he had for the presence of God. And I was beginning to uh, uh, share my heart about the desire he had. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to open up the altar at the very beginning of the message. And so I did that. And there was such a hunger in the room. Doug, if you could come up. There was such a hunger in the room that I could barely preach because as the hunger of the people began to rise up, the manifest presence just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And I would be up here preaching and I would see people come to the front kneeling and they'd begin to weep and I could just feel their hunger and, and it made me more hungry. I'm like, yeah, God, we just want, we want the real deal. How many have ever thought that? Like, I want the real deal. But I felt like this service was so profound. And I really believe that there were fiery angels that maybe some see with their eyes. I tell the story of my wife. She, she's seen angels with their physical eye. I, I have her tell me the story sometimes late at night. Honey, tell me the story about the angels again. Don't I? And, and then what happened? And I've heard it a million times. I just love it. She's seven years old. She sees with her physical eye five angels that light up the room as tall as the ceiling. And God was saying, I'm surrounding you with protection. But I know that there were seraphim that came into this gathering we had. It was so heavy. It was so weighty. There was this burning, this, oh. And there's a word to the intercessors about God's reigniting the altar of your heart to burn with perpetual incense. But I felt like maybe as a church or individual, we may have grieved these angels because we didn't honor what they brought from heaven. This is the community that I'm speaking of, that there are angelic hosts of heaven that are sent forth from God, innumerable. You can't even count them. There's way more angels than there are people. We know that because it says he'll give his angels charge over you, Hebrews chapter one. So there's probably at least two around us and there's billions of people. Who knows? Innumerable. God sends them forth to bring courage and grace, words to you. And sometimes we reject them. So oh, I don't need that. We need to unlearn the independence in the natural of this whole other community, not just this church, but the great cloud of witnesses. Abraham is cheering you on right now. King David is cheering on Chris when he's writing songs. Come on. They're saying, look at the sound they're releasing. I wish we could have released that sound. Abraham, Father Abraham. Oh, you're becoming such a good dad cheer on John. You're going to be such a good father. But not only that, but we have angels that God sends forth to encourage, to give grace. There's a story in Daniel. I'm going to close with these two stories. Daniel chapter 10. He's receiving revelation. The angel comes and speaks and he's weary. And, and he hears the sound of the angel and it's the voice of the angel, the word through the angel, the word from God through the angel. 
And Daniel says, I am being uplifted with strength when I hear you speak, Lord. In other words, keep talking. I like what I'm hearing. But sometimes do we say, no, I don't want any of that. That's weird. I'm telling you, this will be a year. Those of you that want it, angelic visitations. And you might not see them, but you'll be walking and all of a sudden this courage just comes inside of you. That's an angel of the Lord coming and literally depositing heaven's authority in you to rise up. Revelation chapter 10, there's a story where John, he's receiving revelation. Again, an angel comes clothed in a cloud with a rainbow on his head. The manifold wisdom of God, the fire and the cloud coming together. God wants you to awaken and understand there is strength coming from Zion. Psalm 20, Hebrews 12. And Zion is the place of the presence. But what comes with the presence is angels. All throughout the Psalms, there's always angels in worship. There's always there's worshiping angels, ministering angels, healing angels. Come on. We're going to see so many miracles this year. And there are dispatching from heaven healing angels that are taking metal out of people's bodies and healing cancer. And come on. I want you to stand up with me if you feel like the Lord is saying, I want you to rise up. And the Lord wants us to repent of neglecting this community, these cloud of witnesses and the innumerable company of angels. Let us say, God, those that you've sent, those messengers, those angelic hosts, let them come. And Lord, if if the seraphim have been quenched by maybe we have not kept that fire burning on the altar of our hearts, prayer warriors, that we repent. And Lord, let, let a reigniting come right now. Let there come an initiative to burn again. You have permission to burn again. Now, I'm just going to do this and we're going to close. I want you to, again, please lift your voice and just let your display your hunger for God right now. Come on. If you feel like this is it, I'm, I'm, I'm rising up. I'm rising up out of discouragement. There's help in the sanctuary. There's courage in Zion. Begin to pray in the spirit for a moment. Come on. Come on. Not the passive stuff, the passionate stuff. I like that. I like the passion. Fan the flame. Come on, I love hearing that sound. I love hearing that hunger. Yeah, yeah, come on, burn, burn. So let heaven come, Lord. Discouragement off of these people now in Jesus' name. I'm just going to pray for a little bit. Just keep praying, keep praying, come on. If you're hungry, say, yeah, Lord. Yes, yes. I say yes to you. Say yes. Come on, lift your voice up. Yes, God. Yes, God. So,
Elijah's in the cave. Lord, I'm just so depressed, Jezebel. I know I killed all those prophets, but that woman, oh. He says, I'm all alone. God says, no, there's 7,000. I've got a remnant. When you understand you're not alone, there comes courage. But it's not just the people on the planet. It's the cloud of witnesses and the God of the angel armies, the innumerable company of angels. It gives me strength and courage. I know that he has given his angels charge over me according to Psalm 91. Thank you, Father. We will not neglect, we will not despise these angelic heavenly beings that come to help carry out your will in the earth.